Hello there, and thank you again for joining us for another episode of the AI Insiders. As I explore, I get to understand the humans behind AI at ISI. I'm Adam Russell. I'm the director of the AI division at USC's Information Sciences Institute, and I'm apocalyptic. What does that mean? Well, it means I'm both excited and I'm nervous about how quickly this field of AI has begun to pick up speed. And I think there are reasons to be hugely optimistic, but there are also reasons to be really worried about what this new kind of technology we've conjured up could mean for just about everything around us. I mean, every week, almost every day now, we read more headlines, preprints, hearings, conferences about AI, what it means for all of us. And it's all important, but to me, keyword in that phrase is us. Because I believe that for all the technology involved, AI's future, that is to say, which side of the apocalyptic spectrum we lean towards will depend on us. We humans, how we develop, deploy, adopt, regulate, teach, and partner with AI. So better understanding humans might help us better understand and design AI to our collective benefit. Therefore, I am taking this relatively unique opportunity as a new director to get to know my colleagues at the AI division and understand them a little bit better, to gain some insight into not just what they're doing in the space of AI, but why. Why are they spending their time in the space? How did they get here? And I think actually one of the hypotheses here is that if you want to understand AI, starting with the technology uh, is a little backwards. Let's start with humans. One human I have today with me is Ashwin Rao. Uh, we'll dive into a little bit more about what he does here in a moment. Uh, but right now he has the dubious honor of having his new director ask him this question. Um, I've been taking people back to their six-year-old self. That may not be entirely fair. How about to, let's say, your 10-year-old self? And if you don't mind, I'm just going to sit back and watch as you explain to your 10-year-old self sort of how you got here and what you're doing. And then I suspect your 10-year-old self is going to have further questions. <laughs> yeah, that is my 10-year-old self. I think I was in fifth grade. Uh, and I was, uh, the world was much simpler then. Uh, back <laughs> Where were you in, in the world? Where's your 10-year-old self in the world? I was uh, this happy toddler in India. You get to wear shorts to school and we had recently been promoted to or allowed to wear pants. It was a shift from using pencils, HP pencils, mm. to uh, pens because they had this feeling that you can't use pens for, you know, because it ruins your handwriting or something. For me, that was like the most happiest moment. It was like, oh, I get to use a pen. I would get to wear pants to school. Uh, I'm finally getting to be an adult. And little did I know that uh, being an adult is, is, has its own challenges. Uh, for me back then, my goals were, oh, uh, I got to play a cricket. You know, I want to be a mm -hmm. cricketer. Mm -hmm. uh, just, just small, simple goals that a, that a 10 year old kid would have. So, so back then, what, this will be a bit of a stretch of a question, but do you think you learned things in cricket that have become useful in your, your career in AI? Um, uh, Kind of. I wasn't really great. There were better players than me, but but what I learned from it is resilience, the the hunger to show up every morning, to practice mm. at five and pursue this. I think is, is something that I carry forward to this day. That's interesting. And and um, what what sort of impact would you like to have if you're if you're successful here? Describe to me, and you can be wild in your imagination. Describe to me the world in ten to fifteen years. If, if you have the kind of impact that you're hoping to have. Right. Uh, the way I see it is that if I do have a certain impact in this field, it would be a reduction in misinformative content, there being tools which are self-automated that, that sort of uh, alert the consum consumer 
with the sort of information that they're consuming uh, mm-hmm. and, and sort of automate this process of fact-checking. How it's going to be done is a, is a bigger mystery at this point, but it's a mystery that I that I want to want to try and solve. Okay, but let me let me push you a little bit further. You let's say you solve the technical problem. What does the world look like where we have systems that are less inclined to promote misinformation, where where these machines are 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 partners rather than sometimes our adversaries? How does that translate to you and and how we get along with each other and our machines in the future? I mean, that is a good question. The way I see it, I definitely don't see machines as an adversary because I think machines are what we make them to be. And it's something that's completely in our control. So I definitely see them to be useful and able partners. So the way I see it is AI taking over a much more prominent role in health and in, mm-hmm. in, in conducting robotic remote surgeries, automated information reliability checks, a self-driven transportation system mm-hmm. wherein there mm-hmm. is lesser reliability on humans and, uh, and and hence lesser human errors. So this would sort of be my my vision for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, you, you, see, you see reduction of misinformation and the, the promotion of these kinds of uh, intelligent autonomous systems that are on our side. You see that as leading to goodness, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, or, or at least it's the optimist in me that, that sort of sees that. So what do you worry most about? Let's say um, let's say things go wrong. What, how, how wrong can things go? And what, is that, what does that lead us to? Um, I think as, as wrong as it can go. Uh, uh, if, you, if you listen to uh, Elon Musk, then, then society is doomed because of AI agents. You know, you could have any of those Hollywood sci-fi movies become true. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this uh, particularly interesting TV show. It's not really popular. It's called Person of Interest. It's an Mm. AI that has access to multiple data points through Mm. ATM cameras, through traffic lights, and it it feeds information to a vigilante and they deliver justice. So that sort of paints the most pessimistic picture of AI if, you know, if sort of consolidation of of power, right? Yeah. So, so given, I, I won't say possibility, but plausibility. Uh, given that, uh, two questions I follow on. The first is, what do your sort of family and friends think about your work in this space? Do they are they uh, do they believe it's un- unmitigated good, or are they periodically calling you and saying, "Hey, you know, maybe maybe don't want to kill them. We create <laughs> killer robots." Both <laughs> uh, the killer robots. I think the one thing that my mom told me before I left India was like, "Do not talk politics in the U.S." <laughs> Did not do that. Hey, good that's... luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> and two years down the lane, I'm calling her. Uh, I think one and a half years. I think after I started, I said, "Hey, this is my first paper, and I'm studying political polarization." Oh. <laughs> Mom, it's okay because it's it's science. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think they they're not they don't have a scientific background. My dad's mm. a lawyer. Uh, my mom's a housewife, so, so they they fear. Uh, honestly about about the rise of you know ai machines interesting they think that yeah. they think that oh you know things are not conventional anymore mm. um and the rise of chat gpt my dad worries that it would take away jobs from conventional 
researchers, legal researchers who, who spend hours of their time sifting through legal precedents. So yeah, he feels that jobs will be taken away and um, yeah. That's not, yeah, not nothing to worry about. I think uh, people, people think that's, that's, that there's some argument that we may, we should be thinking a little harder about that. Um, you did mention the the concern about consolidation of power. One solution for that is to have more voices at the table, right? Get more people to the table. So if someone were thinking about getting into this space, and I realize AI is enormous space, but what, what advice would you offer to some up and coming researchers, either on skills they should adopt? maybe uh, things they should uh, read or pay attention to, mm-hmm. et cetera. That is an excellent question again. I feel AI right now is still firmly in the hands of computer scientists. And I, me myself being a computer scientist, I feel I lack sort of the domain expertise that is needed to analyze humans because I'm in the field of analyzing human behavior and how how things happen, I feel there has to be a greater intersectionality. There needs to be greater focus on social science, perhaps, or political science, or or even AI ethics. I'm listening. As a social scientist, I'm listening. Yes. <laughs> who, who from history would you, if you could have them for dinner and spend some time asking them questions about, I don't know, what they would do or... You could take from them their their store of knowledge. Who from history would you invite to dinner? Who do you think would be most useful for your thinking in this space right now? One, given the current geopolitical state that we are in, I would sort of want to pick pick Mahatma Gandhi. I don't know if I can have him. Yeah, <laughs> don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want the pressure of having to cook for Mahatma Gandhi. But I think, uh, yeah, that's a, it's a easy choice. Explain that. Um, I mean, it, yeah, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so I think I could play <laughs> whipping up something for him. Um, but the reason that I picked is, is purely because of the immense geopolitical storm that we're in the midst of, right? And I don't think he, when he was he was trying to gain freedom from the British, there was AI, there was misinformation. Uh, so sort of picking his brain on how he would he would address this challenge or whether uh you know it's um one of my favorite quotes of course is i think genuinely from gandhi which is mm-hmm. uh, leading by influence isn't the best way to uh, leading by example isn't the best way to influence people it's the only way mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so i am intrigued as to how how he would le- lead by example here mm-hmm. in, this, in this world yeah. Uh, can I get an invite to that dinner if it happens? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you definitely be there. <laughs> and the other reason uh, is that if Gandhi were to exist today, would people believe him? You know. Mm, oh no, that's a great point. Like, there'd be someone on the fringe who's going to say some right wing nationalist would say, "Oh, you know, whatever he did with India." might not be the right thing you know it led to divisions and and whatnot yeah, that's a great point um you need you need people who are sometimes uh even if it's just myth are as big as the ideas right that they're promoting so that the ideas can live beyond them so a great question is whether we can do that anymore um so in in you know this area there's a lot of 
uh, creativity. I think there's a lot of you know really interesting different places or people going. There's also unfortunately a, a, a misunderstanding sometimes that AI is kind of a you know a, a solo genius sport. Um, I'm not sure that's true. I think increasingly I'm understanding that really creative teams will will outperform you know the lone genius. But every team sort of needs people who bring what I call you know, secret powers, right, or superpowers uh, to the table. What what would you say is your superpower? I don't know if you've if you've heard the stub called an all rounder in cricket. It's this person on the team who bats, who bowls, who feels sort of like a jack of all trades. Uh, uh, and I think I think I'm happy happy to be that all rounder on on this team. All right, see that's a that's a good thing to take away from from cricket. Every team needs the all rounder. Um, I, I, that's right. Um, couple of quick fire questions for you. They're not fair questions, but I'm always interested to learn a little bit more about you as, as how you think about this stuff. This, I think I know the answer you'll give here, but given your background in cricket, would you rather have AI replace all referees or umpires in sports or all judges in the legal system? I think uh, all referees. Yeah, sure. okay. The consequences. Uh, yeah. Judges, uh, I think, purely because... It's more case-by-case case basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Um, if you had to fast forward again, uh, and this is impossible in today's world, but where do you think you're going to be in, in 10 years? Do you think you'll still be working on this problem or do you think you'll have solved it and moved on to something else? I feel I'd still be solving it. Uh, it is a problem that might take a little bit more time than 10 years. I definitely see myself in academics um, sort of pursuing this field, sort of trying to bridge that gap between computational approaches and social science. Um, so yeah, I'd still be here. So a uh, question that falls on from that, because I think there is a tendency now, um, certainly external to, to AI, to, to be focused on, you know, sort of the big tech players, right? The large companies where you can get a sense that universities almost are irrelevant, to some degree, right? I mean, isn't that adorable? You guys are doing your f- fundamental research. Meanwhile, you know, uh, OpenAI is over there raking in billions. That clearly you don't believe that. Uh, tell me why universities are not irrelevant to AI. The driver for universities is not is not money. I mean, I'm sure there is money involved with grants and keeping your uh, funders happy. And, but I don't think the goal is to increase engagement or increase business revenue. The goal is to perform unbiased research. And mm-hmm. I think that is where universities will stand out from big tech corporations and and this this ability of universities to publish unbiased, fearless research. Uh, I don't want to take names, but there's a, a very popular search engine company that got into a lot of heated water a few years back when it's tried to stifle a paper from an AI ethicist. I'm going mm-hmm. to leave it at that. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. So. And so universities have to be, I think what you said, unbiased and fearless, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's really important to some degree, right? The, the fearless nature of that, of we will go where the, where the science leads us, but also um, we're being motivated by by something other than just um, than just profit. But those motives are being blended increasingly in the world. So it's it's not a straightforward picture. But yeah, that's well, my goal is to make sure that 
<laughs> you continue to be able to do that kind of fearless uh, research that contributes, you know, to, to things turning out well for us. I, I really like that idea. And that's a great way, I think, to, to wrap this up, Ashwin. Thank you so much again for taking the time to meet with me. Uh, letting me ask you some questions that I, I presume you've never been asked before for the first yeah. time when you met a director. Yeah, yeah, no, never. This this was uh, really thought provoking, and and I think this is a brilliant idea to 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 have a podcast. Um, uh, and I have never been on one, uh, but it was extremely exciting. Um, well, you're you're a natural, my man. I'm impressed. You brought the human. That's our that's our statement <laughs> here. You. So. Uh, and it's what humans do, right? They, they, you don't necessarily see what's coming. You get funny questions and, and sometimes very, very insightful answers. So look, I love chatting with you. Um, and I look very forward to working further with you as a colleague, um, again, to help us end up on the right side of, of apocalyptic optimism. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. And, uh, if I do ever have dinner with the Mahatma, then you'll be oh. my first invite. <laughs> All right. You heard it here, folks. There's no, no take backs. Um, all right. Well, that looking forward to my dinner with, uh, with, with Gandhi and, uh, and Ashwin. Boy, that'll be one for the records. So thank you, everyone, again, for, for joining us for another uh, opportunity here on AI Insiders to meet, I mean, like Ashwin, amazing humans behind the AI at, at ISI. Uh, I hope this has sparked a little more curiosity for everyone in understanding the people who are in the space. Uh, people who, you know, actually, if you don't mind my characterizing you, have their own goals, hopes, aspirations, concerns, uh, and dreams, which I really enjoyed hearing more about uh, as to how this you know, we can make this this kind of world appear. We can usher in this world with and through AI. Join us, please, for another episode of AI Insiders uh, in the future as I take this unique opportunity as a new director to continue to talk with and hopefully better understand the humans I'm fortunate enough to work alongside and who I believe are important guides for anyone wondering how we're positioning ourselves to pursue our goal of realizing AI's collective benefit for us all. Please reach out, connect with us at the AI Insider. Uh, consider joining us in our pursuit of that uh, creation of AI that can be democracy's greatest asset. Until then, fight on. <laughs>